Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Yes, that's what we're trying to do, and we believe we can. Uh, obviously, with with the help of the Lord, make this a better world and that we have uh, a job to do and uh, a purpose uh, and in following Christ. And that's not just to get ourselves to heaven, but to uh, live a, a, a better life and help other people around us have a better life. So uh, this is, uh, these are exciting days. These are challenging days. And, um, uh, last week on our show, we had uh, from Portland, Oregon, uh, Tony Wynn, who is a uh, Multnomah Biblical Seminary student who's, who came over here. Well, his mother came as an immigrant from Vietnam uh, during the Vietnam conflict. And uh, he's got quite a story about her and how she survived um, coming to America, and then um, his growing up here in America. So he's very sensitive to lots of issues that we're hearing a lot about today, like immigration and race and um, these things which uh, show up almost every day in the news. And... uh, Tony is on his way to, he wants to be a pastor someday. And as he's studying uh, biblical seminary, he's working uh, in these areas we're talking about, like race, gender, and politics. So we had such a great time last week. And we just, I feel like we scratched the surface. So I asked Tony to come back again this week. And uh, so we're very excited to have Tony with us again. Uh, Tony, welcome back uh, to Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity to come back. Fantastic. So, how 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 are your how are your studies going? What what year? Yeah, are you, well, um, uh, in, yeah, I, I'm yeah yeah I'm wrapping up my second year of seminary here in Portland. Uh-huh. Stay back in the classroom, and so it's it's going, it's going. <laughs> what is it a three-year program or four or what? It's uh, uh, traditionally it's a two-year program, but I'm on the ten-year track, and so I'll I'll be here a while. Yeah. <laughs> ten, ten, ten-year track is that just the way you're going about it, or? <laughs> yep, I, I'm just taking my time, and uh, I, I love uh-huh. um, my my community here. I love the professors here, and it's such a joy and privilege to be um, just learning from them. So I, I, I would love to stay here as long as I can. Oh, that's great. Wow. 
Well, Tony, I want to start right off uh, in our discussion today with something that we we really didn't talk very much about last week at all. Um, you mentioned it, but it's it's really one of my favorite things to talk about. I haven't told you this, but um, yeah. you mentioned that when you when you go into the pastorate, you have a particular interest of wanting to be able to marry the academy and the church, I think was the way you said it. In other words, you yeah. want Christians to be thinking Christians. You, you want, uh, that's at least what I got from it. Uh, yeah, you want yeah. them, uh, to, you want to wed the academic with, with the Christian. And uh, I'd love to explore some more of what you mean about that, because I, we live with a stereotype, at least here in America. Christians are kind of the opposite of academic. We're non-academic. Uh, we yeah. don't think for ourselves. We just buy the party line. Whatever the pastor says is what's true. And um, we check our minds in at the door of the church and walk in and just open our heads and pour in whatever, whatever the pastor says is right. Um, and uh, even to this point of, if you ask questions, you are, you're rebellious and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, what, why yeah. do you think this has become true? What, why do you think this is a stereotype for Christians? Do you have any idea where this kind of thinking has come from? Yeah, from um, just from observations and interactions with my contemporaries and peers, whether it be inside the academy or just outside in ministry, I think what we come across is um, the typical phrase where people say, um, I, I don't want to do theology. I just want to love Jesus. I'm more about Jesus, um, and I could care less about theology. And I think what people fail to realize is that that is a theology unto itself. That is a way of relating to God. That's a way of thinking about God. And what happens there is you, um, you personalize Jesus, um, and you then um, are in a individual relationship with Jesus rather than a communal relationship with Jesus. You're no longer part of a believing community, but it's just kind of you and Jesus alone. And the danger of that is you then cut yourself off from the historicity of our faith. Um, you, you lose out on the longstanding traditions uh, of the church. You lose out on the depth and, and the breadth of our faith. And so when people say, I just want to love Jesus, um, they abandon uh, the things that have been passed down through the centuries. And in doing so, mm -hmm. they divorce the academy and the church because the church has always been thinking critically about its faith. That's what's passed uh, down through the centuries, through the generations. But by saying, I just want to love Jesus, um, uh, you're, you're really pigeonholing yourself and, and removing yourself from the, the larger community. Do you think, Tony, that um, just uh, that, that postmodernism post has anything to do with this kind of thinking uh, from the standpoint that, uh, you know, it, it, it's like uh, truth used to be real important. Um, 
you needed to know what was true. You, I needed to have an apologetic about the truth. And, um, it, but, but truth was something out there that was solid. And, uh, yeah. you know, now it's kind of truth is up to any, up for grabs. Any, any, anything I want to believe is truth for me. And, uh, yeah. Do you yeah. think that's added to this kind of thinking where, where it really isn't that important to have to know history and theology and these things? Yeah, I, I think it is. I think when um, we look at the current state of our society where everything is subjective, everything is up to the individual's opinion, um, we, we have lost the ability to say that this is right and this is wrong. We have lost the ability to say that this is an objective truth because everything is subjective to the human experience and to the the mm-hmm. the um, the way we think. And so when it comes to uh, critical thinking skills, um, we depend less on thinking critically and we depend more on our opinions and our feelings. Yeah. How, how can we, how can we change that, Tony? How, how can you get people um, who haven't, you know, people your, your age and younger, you know, who have, yeah. Who have grown up in a postmodern age where they 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 haven't heard, uh, they're not even familiar with truth being something out there that's true. Um, yeah, yeah. How do you get somebody who can? How do you how do you try and convey the importance of that to someone who's never even experienced it? Right, right. Yeah, I think um, I I just spoke on the the fault of experience and subjectiveness but when it comes to this Mm -hmm. i can only lean back on my experience um but i would say that (laughs) millennials are are, um uh are highly relational creatures i don't think we've seen um another generation that's so connected relationally whether it's uh through physical relationships or social media and i would say that the way that we connect truth to uh, my generation, the way I've seen it played out in my life and the life of my friends is um, it's in the sheer beauty of Christ being the truth and that the truth is rooted in relationship, um, that the ultimate truth, the mm-hmm. ultimate objective truth is ro- uh, rooted in a person, and that's Jesus Christ. And so truth isn't this um, this ethereal just abstract concept that's floating, unbounded, unformed out in in the mm. nowhere. But truth is rooted in the personhood of Jesus Christ. And so for millennials, I would say it's it's in relationship with Jesus that we encounter truth, that we begin to experience truth and live out truth and discover truth because truth is the person of Jesus. Wow. Now, how does that become solid? Uh, is it, we undoubtedly have to have the words of Jesus, right? Um, yeah, yeah. In order to have a relationship with him, have communication from him. Uh, so does the word of God play a pretty big role there? Yeah, I, I think it, uh, this also goes back to the... 
um, the problem we see with the individualization of faith. We begin to read the word as isolated individuals, um, but the word of God is, is um, a word for the people. It's a word for community. And so um, the, the way that the Bible plays into it is when we as individuals partake and, and participate in community. Um, and that's how we see Jesus as truth um, revealed to us. And it's truly in community. Okay. All right. That's beautiful. I like that. Um, what? Talk to me a little bit more about because you you said in in when I asked you last week where you're going to be ten ten years from now, you said that yeah. you would you hope to be a pastor, and in that role you hope to be wedding the academy and the church. Can can you give us a, a picture of what that might look like? Yeah, yeah, I think to um, do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, an analogy or a metaphor that I'm often told is um, the theologian holds a mirror up for the pastor to peer into as he preaches just to, so that the pastor can be tested uh, with orthodoxy and tradition. But the pastor preaches the gospel to the heart of the theologian. And so I think that's the symbiotic relationship that uh, that both um, – types of people share. I think practically what I see it playing out as is um, uh, orthodoxy is right thinking, correct thinking, and orthopraxy is right practice, um, correct practice, correct living. And I think in, in the most simple terms, um, that's how I see the academy and the church um, being married is the academy helps the church formulate its thought, its correct thinking, but the church helps the people of the academy um, live out their correct thinking. So the, it's the symbiotic relationship between correct thinking and correct living. Hmm. Okay. Um, do you have any, any plans uh, or say any ideas about how you might help um, people do this. And I'm, I'm talking in real practical terms here. Yeah. Any ideas yeah. about how you might help people do that in their own life? Yeah, I, I, I think um, where, where I struggle in this area is because uh, I, I'm more cerebral. I'm more theory and I'm not as practical. Um, what I find myself doing is, um, is simply uh, getting coffee with people and, and hearing different perspectives. I think that uh, it goes back to what we talked about last week is, mm. is um, in humility, engaging other people and opening yourself up to the possibility of you being wrong. Um, it, it's the willingness to listen before you speak. Um, and I find that practiced uh, with, with my contemporaries and with my professors as they listen to the areas that I'm wrong and are able to give me the space and they're willing to give me the space 
to be wrong. It's um, an active dialogue rather than a passive conversation. Wow. Willing, willingness to be wrong. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not going to go over very well in, in a lot of Christian circles I know about. <laughs> right, right. Um, that, that's really, um, that, you're, you, it seems to me you're speaking more of an attitude than, than anything. Is that right? Am I right about that? Yeah, I think it's a posture of the heart. Um, what the, the story of Jesus that I've been wrestling through lately is uh, the story where the teachers of the law go to, to confront Jesus because his disciples have been healing on the Sabbath. Um, and I think the, the, what I take from that is Jesus is pointing to the heart of the law rather, rather than the letter of the law. I think he's pointing to the posture that our hearts ought to be in rather than the, the, um, just the front face value of, of the law. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I know it, a large part of the, the Christianity that I grew up with was, uh, it was paramount to be right. That, that's the whole thing. You always had to be right. And, uh, uh, so the whole idea of of being willing to be wrong, even uh, is it right? I, I should be willing to be wrong even about uh, biblical things, or even about theology, even about truth, or how yeah. I understand it. Yeah, I th- right. Yeah, I, one one thing that I'm uh, fortunate enough to have people in my life for is. Um, they will constantly tell me, Tony, um, you, you are right, but you, you're also wrong. And, and the reason for that is the way I go about communicating biblical truth, if it's not relational, if it's not founded in the person of Christ, um, and if it's not communicated through humility, then I'm ultimately wrong. It, it goes back to First Corinthians 13. You know, if if it's not with love, it's if it's not through love, then then it's just a resounding gong. And I think uh, when I look at my life, that that's where I struggle. Is that yes, I may have this education in seminary and Bible college. Yes, I, I may have some sort of skill when it comes to. Um, uh, reading the Bible, but ultimately, if I'm not communicating that message um, in love through love, then I, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's that tension point that we all are faced with, that we can be obsessed with being right, but in the midst of that, we actually end up being wrong. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. Um I've often thought that that uh, I have I have something to learn from everybody. Um, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. There's some there's some part of what someone else knows uh, that I don't know that 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 I might learn, regardless of their religion or their atheism or 
or whatever they hold to um, that 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 I can be I can truly be open minded and not have to be threatened by questions or even by as you say by being wrong um, that's actually a something that I can um, uh, admit to even go go in with the understanding that I might be wrong and uh, uh, yeah I, I think what I like about that is that uh, I think that makes uh, me much easier makes it much easier to talk to someone who's different than than I am with that kind of attitude yeah yeah i I think um, yeah in that aspect, I think when we look at Christianity um, when we look at in terms of like Christendom, in terms of empire, and in terms of control, when Christians are more worried about having a monopoly on truth than they are about relationships, we, we lose sight of who Jesus truly is. Because if all of humanity is made in the image of God, then when someone communicates truth, even if they're from a different faith or a different theological perspective, they are imaging God because ultimately Jesus is the truth and it's all founded in relationship. And so we can't, we, we can't hold a monopoly on truth as Christians because everybody's made in the image of God. And so I think that's the tension point we find ourselves in when when people we disagree with actually are communicating truth we can't just decide to co-op that and say oh no that actually belongs to us because jesus doesn't belong to us we belong to him mm. Mm. well so truth is not just doctrine right right it's not and, just and getting I a bunch I of facts right Right, right. And I think that that does get us in trouble when we say that because because we have hundreds of years of history and tradition pointing to doctrine and dogmatics as truth. But the, yeah. the reality is, is I think there, there's two sides of the coin and we, we, we neglect our uh, Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters and the truth that they have to communicate when we just say that this particular sphere or this particular um, way of thought is correct and not the other. Mm. Mm. Um, I was uh, especially fascinated um, by your discussion last week about boomers and, and uh, about you called you called us the uh, the, the the last um, uh, unreached people group, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought that was great. Um, but that was based on the fact that uh, we're a whole generation of people who have, as Christians, uh, bought into a kind of cultural Christianity that may or may not. Be following Jesus, and uh, I, I, I've been feeling that for a long time, and uh, I've been really concerned at 
and how maybe you can explain this. I don't know whether you've looked into the histories, the brief history behind it and why this has happened, but um, I guess I wonder how on earth, um, for instance, a lot of Christianity in America is aligned with certain thoughts and beliefs and, on platforms that basically, if you look at it, completely go against um, the teachings of Jesus. And yeah. how on earth do we get there? You know, I mean, here we have, uh, if you, especially when you come to the Sermon on the Mount, um, and, and where, where you have most of Christianity, America aligned more with big business than with the poor, most of it yeah. aligned with the, the NRA, <laughs> the right to own yeah, guns. Yeah. <laughs> where does that come from? Or aligned with um, keeping gays and those with sexual identity problems out of the church, not having anything to do with those people, uh, aligned with isolation. And now, most lately, in, in the last, after the last election, aligned with isolation, with keeping immigrants out of the country, aligned with those who are racially biased. My goodness, how on earth? It, you have to come to the conclusion that somehow uh, we are blinded. That Are right. we reading yeah. the same Bible? Or how does this right. happen? Um, right. I, I think the shift in thoughts... Thought. Yeah, yeah. I think the shift in thought in this uh, arena is this, um, that the early church uh, was a persecuted minority. Um, And then as the church grew in size and grew in influence, Mm. um, and as it was placed on a pedestal that it wasn't called to, the church transitioned from a persecuted minority to a protected majority. And then from there, we've begun to lose um, sight of, of the mm. context and the calling that God has called us to. And so when we align ourselves with, with um, uh, communities and, and ideologies that are, are used to protect us uh, from persecution, mm. we lose sight of our calling as a persecuted community. Um, I think of um, Walter Brueggemann, who says that... Um, that America suffers from the consumption of military power. Militaristic uh, consumerism is what we suffer from. I think of Stanley Hauerwas when he says that nationalism is a religion and war is its liturgy. And I think these are all descriptions of America and the symptoms that we suffer from. Um, I, I, when, when we look mm. at our military power, we have to question whether or not we've gone overboard. Um, When we look Mm -hmm. at World War II and we look at Hiroshima uh, and and we look at nuclear warfare and we look at people who are proponents of war and and proponents of the just war theory, I don't think St. Augustine um, had nuclear warfare in mind when he talked about just war theory. and, and when we look at nuclear weapons, I think it violates the tenets 
of, of, of just war theory. Um, uh, when, when we look at the, the damage and the devastation that nuclear weapons cause, I, I don't see how there's any justice in that. Um, and, and America, the United States, seems to, to be occupied with the idea of protecting itself um, against all mm. threats. And, and we fail to realize that we are the biggest threat to ourselves when we become um, self-obsessed uh, when we become uh, for, for all the talk about America being a Christian nation um, when we look at Jesus Jesus was the furthest person from self-obsessed he was the furthest mm. person from, from self-preservation Jesus was self-sacrificial and so if we call ourselves a Christian nation how can we say that and, and, and worry only about ourselves and be isolationists. And, and so I, I, I think these are all symptoms of, of the fact that we've strayed so far from the calling of a persecuted community as we continue to try to protect ourselves as a protected majority. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, rings, that certainly rings true. And I, one of the things that, that I've observed about the Christian subculture, um, even as it's grown up since the 1970s, where, uh, because sometimes, I might have told you this week, uh, last week, sometimes I, I feel like I was a part of, of being responsible for creating it, because, it, of course, we didn't know what we were doing, but when we put the gospel into um, uh, rock and roll and current types of music and and pop music and things that people love to hear, um, you know, we we really did help get the message across to our generation. But we also helped create this kind of oh wow, well, we can have we can have our own music now and. And and then then we can have our own everything, you know. We can have our we can isolate ourselves. And 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 the thing I noticed was that the big issue became safety. That became the big deal. How do we keep our kids safe? You know how do you 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 listen to Christian radio because it's safe for the whole family. You don't have to have you know, uh, the, the objective world, I mean, uh, that, that which, you know, we don't like about the world thrown at you in the face all the time. So now you can live in this nice, comfortable, safe Christian world. And uh, uh, I, I just think that that took over in many ways and uh, um, became a huge industry, billions of dollars spent in creating safe things for Christians to enjoy. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um, all generations of the faith have uh, positively contributed to uh, Christianity, and I think all generations of our faith have also negatively contributed to our faith. Um, to Christianity, mm-hmm. and I, I would say, I, I mean, I I was saved through uh, 
contemporary Christian music. And so I can't, I can't neglect and forsake my heritage. Um, mm-hmm. I can't forsake where I came from. Um, but I would say that in the seclusion, in the withdrawing from culture, what happened was we began mm-hmm. to, to make enemies out of people who disagreed with us because they didn't agree with, with so-called um, Christian biblical values. They believed what culture said. We made an enemy out of them. And we began to think in a mm. binary framework where, where it was either yes or no, black or white. But, but that took the dynamics out of life. That took the, the, the complexities out of relationships. And, and so by creating a subculture, we, we lost sight God's missionary um, uh, identity. We lost sight of God being a missional God, ascending God. And we began to protect ourselves at the cost of losing our heritage and our inheritance, which was to be a sent people and not a secluded people. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, that's, uh, that really rings true for me. I, I love this idea of uh, uh, that we are, you know, what's happened because we are, we are no longer in a sense persecuted. Um, uh, I, I wonder, you know, huh, I, I, should there be, should there be ways in which we uh, uh, we are persecuted in, in subtly in in society in the world? Um, not not to say that we should create it and by being obnoxious or something like that, but uh, right, yeah. Uh, are, are are there some ways in which you think uh, we even in in this society? we should rightfully be feel um, persecuted? Um, I, I think that we like to play um, victim. It, it, it's easier for us to turn a blind eye mm-hmm. to our own faults. It's easier for us to, to ignore the, the wrongs that, that we've caused. Um, but when, when I look in scripture, um, I think, the American church right now is less like the early persecuted church and more like the community of Israel um, during the book of Judges, where God allowed everyone to do what was right in their own eyes, where each man went back to their mm-hmm. own tent and did what was right in their own eyes. And so I think the turmoil that we experience, the suffering we experience, isn't at the hands of God, but it's our our own hands. So whatever persecution we may feel in the North American context, mm. I don't think it to be true persecution in the sense that we, we are actively living out our faith. And as a result of that, we are feeling the repercussions of a majority that is anti-gospel, anti-Christianity. I mm. think what we're seeing mm. is each individual Christian tribe is living out the gospel according to their own eyes according to what they deem right. Mm. And that falls back into our postmodern culture, everything being subjective. And we've made the gospel subjective to our own whims and emotions rather than subjected to the historicity of our faith. Wow. Wow. 
Well, it, it just sounds to me like uh, we're, we're never going to be done with this, are we? I mean, don't, don't, <laughs> we're just going to keep having to learn more and think more and grow more. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, can we ever, are we ever going to be able to say uh, this side of heaven that, that we've arrived? Right, right. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to what you and I were talking about just a bit ago, which is the posture of the heart. I think it's, it's yeah. yes, it's about the work that's being done, but it's also about the posture of the heart. And I think there are people in your generation who are walking this path. I think there are people in the generation before me who are walking this path. And I hope that, um, that there are people in my generation who are paving the way for the generations to come. Um, and I think it all starts with the posture of our heart, the posture of our spirit. Yeah. Um, and, and that is paired and partnered with the work that Jesus has called us to. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, we got to wrap up here and I, I hate throwing probably one of the hardest questions of all, um, at you at the very end here, but uh, I just appreciate so much that you've thought through a lot of these things to where you do have answers that they're not final answers, but they're ones that open up new doors for us. And uh, that's why, that's why I like the way you think. And um, uh, I think probably a huge problem facing the church right now is this, is the whole idea of homosexuality and, uh, gay Christians and the fact that you know we've for years have been completely against this uh, this lifestyle and preached it uh, against it and yet now we have Christians who are gay and who want to love God and come and be involved in our fellowship and uh, I, I'd say that we're really, we're really struggling over this one, and uh, I have to be honest. I don't, I don't think there are easy answers, but I do think that the some of the answers that have been given so far are are much too easy and much too condemnatory, and um, and turn away people that that Jesus loves. So uh, yeah. do you want to speak to this whole thing at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, um, it, yes, it goes back to our, uh, the posture of our heart. But w- what I would say is this. I think we, we've elevated uh, the sin of homosexuality to a platform that, that causes us to dehumanize people um, rather than love them. I think when we look at Jesus's words regarding divorce, I think they're far stricter and stronger than the words um, that are communicated about homosexuality. Um, but mm-hmm. we, we, uh, so divorce has become a cultural norm, and so we, we turn a blind eye to it, but we continue to dehumanize our brothers and sisters who are mm-hmm. homosexuals. That's a good uh, because point. we've elevated Jesus never really, yeah, Jesus never really even talked about it. Right, but but I would say that Jesus did affirm a biblical view on marriage. 
Um, I, I, I believe, and but, yes. but I, I always have to say that I could be wrong because I read the Bible through my own biased lenses. I read it through my own arrogance. I read it through my own subjective um, uh, principles of, of interpretation. So there's always a, a possibility that I'm wrong because I am fallible. My interpretation is, inf- uh, is fallible, mm-hmm. not infallible. Um, but I think that leads us back to the posture of our heart. And so when, when, when we look at the way that we, we are treating our brothers and sisters who are gay um, and the way that we are doing them an injustice, um, it it leaves me um, baffled because we don't, we're not consistent in the way that we treat people. Uh, When it comes to pornography, which is a hidden sin, um, we, we can be isolated individuals that go into our rooms and, and do, do absolutely terrible things that, where we consume the image of other people who are being exploited. That sin is downplayed and considered private. But then to our brothers and sisters who are homosexuals, we parade them straight out of the church because we make their sin um, uh, uh, visible. And, and, and I think it comes down to a, a posture of willingness to listen because, because we, we don't know. For people who are heterosexual, um, we don't know what it's like to be homosexual. Um, and, and, and we need to, to, um, to change the language because even saying that their, their homosexuality is a sin I think um, we need to to be able to communicate with love, and when it comes to talking about homosexuality, that that language has been co-opted by a mm-hmm. a protected majority and used as a weapon against brothers and sisters who are also made in the image of Christ. And 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 mm-hmm. and I fumble through this conversation. I don't have answers to these questions. Um, I, all I know is I want to love people um, and, and I don't want to be right at the cost of loving people because then ultimately I'd be wrong and so anything I say now it, it, it has to be subjected to Jesus as, as the God man who died on the cross anything I say right now any cast, uh, judgment I cast any statement I make ultimately is not infallible what is infallible is Christ's love for everyone. Well, Tony, thank you so much. Thanks for coming back. And uh, I hope we get to know you better. Um, And as we start to work more with millennials, I'd love to have have some of your thoughts and your thinking. Maybe you could do some writing for us uh, for our website. this would be great. Uh, I'm just so glad we've gotten to meet you, and um, uh, I, I'm glad that the the Lord has given you to us to the church as a whole, because uh, I think uh, I think your thinking is very important, and um, I hope there's I hope there's a lot more people that are thinking like you. Yeah, are you finding? Uh, uh, these thoughts in a lot of your 
uh, friends who are also studying there at uh, Multnomah? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Our uh, Institute for Theology and Culture, New Wine, New Wineskins, is is pulling together um, undergraduate, graduate, and seminary students uh, to form a community of just like spirited people. We we may not necessarily agree with one another in belief, but in spirit, right. um, we we all have the same heart posture. And so there are tons of people out there. And everything I've said today is because I'm able to learn. From, from these people. So I'm not an isolated individual. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Well, that's encouraging because uh, we really need, we, we really need, to, I think we need leadership that thinks, that thinks like this. And uh, um, unfortunately, I don't find many leaders uh, who will, who will come out? A lot of these thoughts are, are a little bit too scary, or they're too, they're you know, well, like you say, uh, I might be wrong, and uh, the leaders have to be right, and uh, you know, it's a different, it's a whole different paradigm that uh, uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm glad to hear you say that in a in a place where people are being trained for the ministry that part of that um, that's being modeled as, as, a, as an open-minded way of thinking. And uh, so I, I'm encouraged by that, and, and I thank you so much uh, for sharing your thoughts with us. No, thank you so much for having me back. Okay. All right, Tony. God bless, and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll be hearing more from you in the future. Okay. Thanks. Grace and peace. Good luck you. in your yep. studies. Yep. Hope things go well. Thanks. All right. Bye. God bless. Bye bye. Woo! That was fun. Was that not fun? Come on, you guys. Um, hey, that was a millennial. There's hope for the world. And uh, there's a lot of people starting to think like this. I used to think, you know, that there, 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 there wasn't anyone, you know, um, like maybe I was weird or something. So uh, how how exciting to to find some of these thoughts going on, and uh, uh, I hope you stay with us, and then you go back and start to listen to more of these interviews on Blog Talk Radio because this is not just fun. Um, this is training, folks. Uh, I really believe if you if you went across and listened to uh, these podcasts, they would be uh, like a mini seminary on how to think uh, as a Christian in the world today. And uh, I think that's due in part to the, to the type of people we've had on and the type of questions that we've been free to ask. And uh, so I hope that you'll see this as not just an entertaining thing, but a training in, of, of your thoughts and minds. And I hope you'd uh, download some of these podcasts and get used to listening. Listen to them more than once because these are, these are important. And, and our, our thinking, we are, our thinking so often is so blinded um, that you've got to be exposed to another way of looking at things 
and you have to be exposed over and over again because you're going against uh, something that's had you exposed uh, since you were a child. So um, that's hard to knock some of that out, and it's hard to, to grab onto something fresh. But uh, that's why we're here. That's why we have the catch. That's why Blog Talk Radio is here. That's why we try to uh, connect life and faith up to where we can actually live this thing out. So God bless you. Come back next week. Go back and listen to last week. And uh, uh, keep it keep it going. Keep learning. We're never going to get it until we get to heaven. Isn't that the truth? God bless you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.